Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. Brenda's not joining us as usual, but I do have another Conquer the Gauntlet Pro on the line, plus another guest. So the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro I have on the line is Ashley Samples. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Ashley's going to be my co-host, filling in for Brenda this episode. You may remember her from our first episode ever, or our first episode with a guest, rather, episode two. So, Yeah. yeah. I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, you've also been on Overcome and Run. Um, and then I know you've been on, I think, Obstacle Racing Media as like a post-race uh, guest after like one of the Savage Races or something like that. Yeah, yep. And uh, Battlefrog, too. I talked to Battlefrog on one of the podcasts as well. Yeah. So great to have her here. Also a mom, which we're going to be talking about in this episode. But before we get to that, we're going to do a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Wreckbag. If you were at North American Obstacle Course Racing Championship this weekend, you probably carried a wreck bag up the side of a giant mountain. Uh, love wreck bag. They're essentially—I was—I'm gonna—I was about to say sandbags, but they're not sandbags because they're bags filled with these like little rubber pellets. So when it starts raining, they don't actually get wet, and you don't have to worry about mold or anything growing on the inside. They're real awesome. They come in basically 10-pound increments, and they go all the way up to some obscene uh, poundage. I think the highest one's like 90 or something. I have a 50 and a 70, and they're great for training. I actually carry it sometimes when I mow the lawn for additional training. Ashley, what are your thoughts on Wreckbag? <laughs> Wreckbag is torture, but, you know, it's one of those good things you need to uh, practice in order to really uh, give it your all at those championship races. Cool. So if you're looking to pick up a Wreckbag, use the code CTGPROTEAM10. That's CTGPROTEAM10. And that gives you 10% off your order from Wreckbag. And if you can't remember that, just head over to the Conquer the Gauntlet Facebook page, and you can click on our banner picture, and all the codes appear. Or you can go to our website, ctgproteam.com. All right, we've talked about enough. Let's bring on our other guest. So today on the line, we have uh, Rachel Corigliano. She's a lifelong athlete playing basketball and softball growing up. At 18, she decided to get into better shape and started running with a few road races did her first mud run in 2007 with a Muddy Buddy, and then started doing competitive racing in 2013 with Savage, where she won her first axe, which is what you get for first place. It's also where she met her future husband, Ken Carigliano, better known in the OCR world as Air Force Ken. She's done a total of 19 Savage races, and this is, this is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't realize you had won so many. And has 14 axes, which is like preposterous. <laughs> Um, Spartan race, she had her first win at Spartan race at the Ohio Beast this past summer. Competed in some pretty major events, 2016 Warrior Dash World Championship, 8th place. 2017 US OCR Championship, 8th place for the pro women. NORAM Championship, 3K, that was past weekend, 5th place for the 3K, and 4th place for the 15K, and 1st place for the relay, which we're going to be talking about. Uh, In addition, she competes in road races and triathlons, most of the time landing on the podium, has a, uh, Half marathon PR of 123, which is impressive. So, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Cool. So, is this your first podcast? It is. How have you managed to avoid the other podcasts <laughs> with 14 axes? I don't. I like. I don't understand that. <laughs> well, it's good to finally be on one. Thanks for asking me to come on. Yeah, you're a, you're a phenomenal athlete, and like I said, uh, that's just that's just very impressive. How did you manage you. to? Like, how do you manage to repeat performances so well at Savage? Because I know Savage, they change their obstacles a lot, and, uh, you know, for comparative difficulty, they're one of the few harder ones where it's hard to keep your band. Yeah, they're um, they're probably my, no, definitely my favorite OCR out there. Um, you know, when I started, it was, you know, it's all just for fun. You know, I, um, I saw an ad for it on Facebook and saw the acts. I'm like, you know what? I want that. I want that axe. I'm bringing that home. And, uh, you know, I just did it for fun and ended up winning. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. And, 
yeah, so ever since then, it's, uh, I've, I've been training smarter, training more specifically to those races, and, um, and I've been able to, to get better as the years have gone by. So what do you do with all the axes? Do you have like a wall? <laughs> like have you replaced one of your walls with axes? What does it look like? That's eventually the goal. You know, we um I, I move a lot and uh and ever since I've been with Ken also, you know, he's in the military, so we move a lot, so it's kinda hard to to keep an actual room of awards. But eventually when we have a house that we'll be in forever, those axes are gonna line the wall or we'll do something crazy with them. But they're um they're not going anywhere. They're staying with me forever. <laughs> That's awesome. Definitely a representative of a lot of hard work paying off on race day. Yeah, and absolutely. I definitely hear you with them moving around a lot. I'm in the military also, so I drag my wife around all over the country. I think we've moved something like nine or ten times in like 14 years. So Yeah, not fun. <laughs> yeah. I will say the one good thing is since the last time I moved, I went like you know full in on OCR, and when I moved to this new house – I basically set it up like all designed for OCR. So my gym is a complete, I'm sorry, my garage is a complete gym. I got my exercise bike, weight room in there, uh, treadmill, rig hose across the ceiling, traverse wall on the wall, and then nice. a balance beam in the middle. So it's, it's, um, it's pretty good. And then I turned one of the basement office or basement rooms into my office, which is where I record my podcast. And there's like all my OCR accoutrement and memorabilia and, uh, you know, world's toughest modern kit down there. That's awesome. Yeah, we've uh, we usually transform our, our trees into some kind of rig. Uh, when we lived in Florida, we had a um, obstacle course on the front yard tree, so we had rings and um, bars and like thirty foot rope climb. And, um, so it was we always attracted some neighbors that wanted to come over and play. <laughs> so why choose Savage over a lot of these other races? You know, for for a lot of reasons. Um, personally. You know, it it's um it means something to me. Like Savage has a special meaning for me because you know I met Ken there, and um and that's been a race that we've been able to win together several times. And um, it's also where Ken proposed at uh, Little Everglades Ranch. There's a tree that's there, a historic tree that he proposed in, like up in the tree. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> So it's always been a, a special place in my heart to, to keep going back there. Um, as for a race company, I I love Savage Race. I love the owners, Sam and Lloyd and Bo. They're all awesome people, and they're a great company. They have a lot of integrity. Um, I love that they keep everything new. Every year they're coming out with a new obstacle, and they're they're keeping things fresh and exciting. And Their venues are great. The race distance is great. The obstacles are, are awesome. It's always a challenge. So, yeah, I'll I'll keep coming back as long as they're there. I think they do a really good job of making the races accessible. Yes. Um, at least, I mean, you know from traveling from Florida, um, at least in the past, that the locations they have their races at are, are generally pretty reasonably priced to get to. Mm-hmm. And with both you and Ken racing, I mean, it doesn't hurt to get, you know, the race prize money on top, you know, to help offset the cost of traveling. Right. So when you can potentially win 2000 it's a lot easier to invest in the travel, um, mm-hmm. you know, with hopes of getting some of that in return. You're right. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask a question about being married to another high-level athlete and what's it like <laughs> being a new mom. But before we get to that, I got to I gotta ask this question, and this one's for Ashley. We're on Skype right now, and Ashley's picture looks like some sort of model photo shoot with her with a soccer ball <laughs> in a bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm looking at like like early pages of some sort of Playboy centerfold <laughs> thing, but like you still have all your clothes on, uh, but you are wearing short shorts, and it's just it's just a little unnerving as I'm talking here. So Ashley, can we explain what's going on here? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't even have words to explain. So I tried to fix my Skype account before I got on with you guys, and it wouldn't let me rename my account. All my email addresses, my phone number, everything I tried to use to create a new account was attached to this account. Um, So I have a super old picture, and I was like a total soccer freak, for, for lack of a better word. Um... 
so yeah, it was like a, I guess you'd call it kind of like a photo shoot thing. And so yeah, the hair's done, the makeup. Um, I'm surprised you guys even recognize that as being me. <laughs> I actually thought I'd friend requested the wrong person, which is why I asked for your email, just to be sure. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Apologies in advance. All right, now let's get <laughs> let's get to the question. So you're married to Ken Corigliano, another fantastic athlete. I mean, he has his own collection of axes. Do you know yeah. how many off the top of your head? Uh, seven. All right, so 21 axes in your household. What's it like being married to another high-level athlete, and then you're also a new mom? Like, How are you balancing that? And then, uh, Ashley, feel free to chime in with your okay. experience. Oh. Well, being being with someone who's a high-performance athlete, I, I would have it no other way because um, they understand me. You know, he understands me. He gets the passion for, for fitness and for racing and, um, you know, having two healthy people in the house. You know, you're going to have really good food. You know, it's going to nourish us for our workouts and our races. And um, he's a great coach. You know, he um, he helps me with, uh, you know, when we have speed work and um, what we call mountain Mondays where we do some heavier stuff and some stair climbs and hill runs. You know, he's, he's a fantastic coach. So I, I think I've gotten better as an athlete because of him um, and his expertise. And he's also a very good motivator. He, he knows how to to push all the right buttons to get me to do what I need to do. And um, it's just, it's great to have his support. And it's it's also great to be out there to watch him too. I mean, I know a lot of the times I can't watch him because he goes off before me and he finishes long before I do because he's super fast. Um, but, you know, the, the times that you get to watch him, it's, it's great, you know, that we get to cheer each other on and, and support each other in the races. Do you find that there's competition between the two of you? Like, I know you just stated your ex count is like double his. <laughs> Does that ever come up, like, as a discussion um, point, or when you get another one, is he like, oh my gosh, now I have even more <laughs> catching up to do? I think it's in his head, but I don't ever bring it up. You know, I don't, uh, I don't rub it in. I may joke a little bit here and there. Um, you know, be like, so how many exes do you have? How many do I have? You know, but it's uh, never serious because I don't, I don't want him to feel bad about it because I know I know how I would feel. You know, if I wasn't up to his level of performance, I would feel bad. You know, I would feel like I I have more to to do, more to accomplish. But um, but he's, you know, he has a much a very tough field um, of guys that he's competing against, and so it's it's hard. You know. And, competing at that elite level especially with the males I think there's just so many top athletes out there but um yeah the male numbers are way higher you know especially in the pro wave Mm -hmm. um even especially when you consider keeping the bands versus not keeping the bands Savage has big pro waves but that doesn't necessarily mean all the people in the pro wave are finishing with the band Mm-hmm. Um, so the guys, I, I'll agree with you, they, they have it pretty rough because their completion rate is so high and the level of attendance is so high that, that he is working with a larger field um, than what you or I are working with uh, when, mm-hmm. we, when we race Savage. Um, that doesn't obviously downplay our accomplishments in any way, but it, it does add an additional you know, a challenge and uh, opportunity for things to go wrong. <laughs> Right. So since you're both, you know, high-level athletes and you have uh, a child, what do you, you know, I know other people have children and they're trying to work in their workout schedules. How do you make that work? Uh, a lot of a lot of balance. You know, we, um, we're early morning people, so we're up way before the sun is and uh, take advantage of the time that, uh, that Nico is sleeping. And we'll, we'll alternate, alternate days where one of us will stay home and do a workout at home and the other person will go out um, and go to the gym or go out for a run. Uh, we have um, our bikes set up on trainers and um, in one of the rooms in the house, so we'll, we'll do that. Um, but we also have a really great uh, babysitter that stays with us a lot that uh, can watch Nico and if Ken and I want to go train together and you know go, go for a run together. But it's definitely... Um, a challenge to balance that out you know it's like there are times where I want to go to the gym but I know it's Ken's day and it's like all right well I guess I'm riding the bike today and 
we'll go do the gym another day. And so got to find the right balance. Yeah, for me, a lot of the times I'm running with a stroller. I'm probably running with a stroller more often than I'm running without a stroller. It's great training, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like that little extra, you know, some people pull tires, we push strollers. <laughs> so it's 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 harder, definitely, but it also gives you such a feeling of being free when you get to, like, run or race without a stroller. Um uh, we we kind of have a similar you know setup as as Rachel and Ken. We do have like a home gym. I I hate. I'll, I'll I don't know any other way to put it. I hate working out like in the home gym. I just feel so confined. Yeah. Um, yep. So we do take turns, like you said, and we will. Um, one of the places we work out is Orange Theory Fitness. So one of us will go to a class. And the other one stays home with Smith, but then takes Smith and meets the other person when they're done with their class to trade spots and then just hand off the baby and, you know, continue (laughs) on. So um, that's one of the ways we make it work. Um, And if I can train on my lunch break and stuff like that, like I did today, uh, we have the state park right across the street from where we live. So Dustin and I can hit the trails um, every now and then for, for a quick trail run. I think both those are great. I love that, you know, the two of you are making it work, you know, regardless. Essentially, you prioritize what's important and you make it you make it work based off the situation. So Right. Exactly. That's cool. That's pretty cool. Do you find so I, I know if I have if I'm completely off from work and I have absolutely nothing to do, I actually find myself a little less efficient than if I have like chunks of hard block time where I have to be someplace or I have to squeeze a workout in someplace. Do you find that it's, in some respects, made you better, or is it just um, it's just another challenge and doesn't really change much? Um, well, it, it is a challenge for sure. Um, my my situation is a little different in that I'm not working full time right now. You know, when I was working full time before I was married and had kids, uh, had Nico, um, and my schedule was very rigid and very like started early in the morning, got my workout in, two hour workout in the morning, went to work and went and did CrossFit afterwards. Um, that was when I was in my CrossFit days. And, uh, and I loved that. I loved the schedule. I loved the, um, um, just, you know, I, I knew what I was doing, you know, I, I had everything ready to go, but, um, you know, with Nico, I mean, you kind of have to be, um, everything's a little spontaneous. You have to just kind of go with the flow and, um, especially when I, you know, if I don't work, cause I'm only working part-time right now. You know, if he wakes up at a certain time, then that's when our day starts. If he gets up super early, then we have to change things around. If he gets up a little bit later, then we change things around. So uh, I think it's made me better at um, maybe at just being more flexible in my schedule. I think maybe that's what I've gotten better at. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Good answer. Now, North American Obstacle Course Racing Championships was this past weekend, so let's talk about that a little. So, Rachel... Yeah. Give me some of your thoughts on the course in general. Oh, my goodness. Those hills killed me. <laughs> um, you know, the 3K wasn't wasn't too bad with the hills just because we didn't go all the way to the top, but the 15K was just brutal. You know, the first almost two miles was just an uphill climb all the way to the top. And, um, and I, you know, I, I know this about myself, but it came out even more on this course is that I need to work on my downhill descents. (laughs) I need to be able to go faster and and have uh, more confidence just to kind of let go and fly down the hill. And uh, that's actually where I lost um, third place. I was in third place for the first part of the race. And um, the girl behind me was just really fast on the downhills and and she took over. So I know that's uh, something I need to work on. But it was you know, as tough as it was, it was a beautiful course to be able just to look up and see for miles, you know, see other ski resorts out in the distance and lakes here and there and just be completely surrounded by trees. It was, it was beautiful. And, uh, I literally never look up at all. I don't, <laughs> like I got to the top of the mountain and I was like staring at my feet or staring at an obstacle. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, I shame on me. Too. I, I forced myself to do it because I know that it will it will take some of the suck out of it. You know, it hurts so bad to go up those hills as many times as we did. 
but just to be able to stop, not stop, but look up at least and enjoy where I am and be grateful to just be there in those kind of surroundings. It makes it a little less painful. Nice. Good technique. Good technique. Now, what are your thoughts on the mountain course in general? Like last year's U.S. Championships was out in Texas, pretty flat, very minimal elevation gain. And then this year's was on a mountain course. I saw some people post online that they didn't, they thought it was kind of dumb or they didn't like it that you couldn't run a large portion of, especially the 15K where you just started off and basically hiked up the mountain. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I actually liked this course better than last year's course just because I, I found the Texas course to be, um, the terrain was really uneven and it was even difficult to run that just because like the, it was rocky and, um, and I, I like the challenge of the hills and yeah, it was, it was hard. And, you know, when you thought you were done and you turn a corner and there's another hill to climb and it just was unending, it, it hurt, you know, and it was very hard. There were parts where I thought, you know what, this just isn't fun anymore. <laughs> but um, I, I actually enjoyed it. I, I do wish they would have had more places where you could just run. Um, because I, I feel like if you weren't, and if you don't live in a place where you have those kinds of hills, it's very difficult to train for that. You know, you can only do the incline on the treadmill so many times, you know, or find a bridge to run or, you know, the side of a highway or they've got, you know, the big hills on the side. You can only do that so many times. You know, it's a lot different than living up in the mountains where you can train and really become a good athlete at that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more flat but uh, I enjoyed the challenge. Ashley, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I'm from Florida, for anybody who doesn't know. So I've been joking that for the past week I've run every mountain in Florida each morning um, because there aren't any mountains in Florida. <laughs> There's hardly any elevation change at all. Uh, I think my average run has like 62 feet over the course of like 10 miles. So uh, that course I knew was not going to play to my my assets, and I decided to sit out on the 15K, and I, I honestly, my heart wasn't in it, and I made that decision pretty much the morning of the race because I was registered to run, and uh, my heart wasn't in it. I, I knew it was not going to be something fun for me. And I've really taken the past, like, two years to realize I'm in this sport for fun. So I did sit out, and I was really happy with my decision. I got to cheer people along, give advice at some of the rigs, and, and just take the opportunity to really watch, you know, my competition perform. And it, it, was, a good, it was a good change of pace. And, you know, I... Did I have any regrets about not racing? Honestly, no. And everybody told me, Ashley, you would have been miserable. And I was really able to save my grip strength and avoid tearing up my hands and things like that that were really important to me the following day for the team race, which was honestly the part of the weekend I was looking forward to the most. Yeah, that's definitely always the best part, the team race. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I do like, I sat out on the 3K and watched people, and it was nice just to be outside of the race course for once and just watching people, you know, watching people, someone struggle at an obstacle and then they finally get it. It's just, I thought it was just so cool and so rewarding. And then actually standing by the finish line for a while and seeing all these people that are just ecstatic with keeping their band, right? Like, they don't, like, absolutely don't care what place they're in. They're, they cross the finish line, they're just like clutching this band like it's the most valuable thing in their life. So. Right. It's awesome to watch a piece of rubber hold so much <laughs> sentimental value. And I know that feeling from Battle Frog. I mean, I did not care if I was the last one across the line with that band. If I had that band, that was as good as gold. That was $1,000. That was, you know, anything of value and everything of value to me at that moment. Yeah, Absolutely. And the mountain course for me personally, like, do I like mountain courses? I don't. I don't like power hiking up the hill. Uh, that being said, I think I think it's good to have a championship race there every once in a while. You know, 
for me, I, I like variants. So I like that last year's was on a flat course out in Texas. I like that this year and next year is going to be on a mountain course. I think as long as it keeps changing and it keeps adapting, I think that's good for the sport. Because what I don't like to see is it turn into like, well, you know, the winner of the championship is just the best mountain runner, period. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I think there needs to be that, that variance to test people on a lot of different angles. Uh, which is why Ryan Atkins and Lindsey Webster's performance repeatedly is always so impressive because regardless of the obstacles, regardless of his mandatory completion or not, regardless of the terrain, they seem to do well pretty much always. everywhere. And they're phenomenal yep. athletes. Yeah, and at all distances too, which mm-hmm. is even more impressive. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's just unreal what the two of them are capable of. And, it, and it's impressive every time. And it's so funny because if you see their race photos, um, I know one was posted in the OCR World Championship group today, but Lindsay has a smile on her face yep. in every <laughs> photo. It doesn't matter if she's, you know, you know, who knows what her heart rate is or what her, you know, speed is. She just looks refreshed. Every time you see her in a race photo, it's amazing. I look like death and I'm <laughs> moving half her speed. And um, meanwhile, she's like modeling on every obstacle. <laughs> yeah, I think I purposefully skipped over some of my photos from this weekend. I'm like, you know what? I don't even want that in my collection. Let's just leave that out on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll nice. tag you in them later. Please don't. <laughs> They'll end up on the fugly OCR page. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's talk obstacle difficulty. What did you think? Uh, good difficulty, bad, kind of just right? I thought they were good. Um, I thought they were a little bit more challenging than last year. Um, and and I know I know why they do that. You know, they like to have, you know, the highest rate of completion that they can get just because, you know, people want to come back to those kinds of races that they know that they can do. It, it gets frustrating if they're so difficult that no one's completing it. You know, people don't want to come back to that. Um, you know, the elites will always come back because it's the challenge, but you know, majority of the people that come out and do it for fun, they, they want to do well, they want to complete it. And, um, so I thought this year the obstacles were, were challenging enough even for the elites, but still doable enough for just the average person. Um, you know, I, I even fell off sketch a couple times myself. Um, you know, that was a, a pretty challenging obstacle, but uh, I thought they were fun. They were fun. I thought that was a good variety. I liked all the rigs that they had. Um, so they did a good job this year. What I about think, your th- Yep. Yeah. I Like Rachel, I had trouble on Skitch, and I think it was more just something you haven't seen before and then just kind of attacking it in the wrong way. And then once you figure it out, it's like one of those, you know, face palm moments of this was you know, a lot easier than I was making it out to be. Um, But by the time you figure it out, especially on a 3K course, you know, your race is essentially over. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought they did a good job with the rigs, and I was really worried about, you know, being able to complete the obstacles when it was raining. Um, I know that some of the later waves in the day, you know, had – pretty bad conditions to have to do those obstacles in but I was actually impressed um, at least on the team day since I didn't run the 15k that they had added a little bit of tape to some of the obstacles and that didn't really take the difficulty out but it did help counteract the rain right and and I I think everybody can agree that that was probably you know a good call on their part to at least make some accommodations for for how difficult that would be, and even on Legaf, 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 yeah, yeah, Legaf, they had um, people volunteers out there with towels the whole time. People were going, just wiping down all the poles and stuff in the rain. So, I think I think they definitely made reasonable accommodations for the rain, and I thought that was a very commendable, you know, and respectful move to kind of try to give everybody a level playing field. Adrian always does a great job, and his team, his entire team, it's not just him, uh, with the race and with the obstacles. I think, you know, I th- I think when they even – so they have those three days. What's nice to see is that they actually look at the data and they'll analyze and they'll change things from day to day. So, if, you know, if a failure rate on something was way too high or they were having problems with it, 
they'll take it out of the next day's race like they did in 2016 with the samurai rig which is kind of like a uh, tree hugger from savage yeah and they modified uh sketch i he was gonna yeah. say stitch like lilo and stitch <laughs> um they modified sketch on the team race so it was just essentially pipe dreams so it was two horizontal poles and you just grabbed it and you know traversed that way yeah, so. I thought that was a great accommodation, especially since that was on the strength portion, um, because a lot of people choose their team, you know, according to what you're going to see on the course. So not realizing that that was going to be part of the strength leg, you know, everybody said that's a technical obstacle. It didn't make a whole sense, a whole lot of sense to have it on the strength leg, but I think making it be just hands to pull made it much more doable for more of the heavy lifter type, um, you know, legs of the race. Yeah, they made some changes to the the speed leg obstacles as well at the last minute, <laughs> which caught us a little off guard. And we were standing on the start line, and he was going through the obstacle list, and all of us were looking at each other like, no, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> we're doing Dragon's Back in the rain? Are you crazy? Um, yeah, and that, that turned out to be a game changer for some teams. It did. A lot of people lost their bands that day um, just because it's, it, it's a mind game. I mean, you get up there, and there's this huge, you know, opening that you have to jump across and hold on to this slippery, muddy pole, you know, with a very high drop underneath it. If you should fall down the, you know, down the slope, it's, um, it's intimidating. You know, the first time I saw it in the 15K, I was, um, it took me like a good five seconds to just get the nerve to, to go and do it. Like, um, okay, I've got to jump, you know, there's someone else coming behind me. I've got to jump. And, um, it was even more difficult during the team race cause it was slippery. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh my gosh, if I fall, this is not going to be good. So I, I mean, I literally screamed and jumped and just like screamed like an animal just to get to this bar and hold on to it for dear life it was it was such a good feeling though to get through it I'm like oh my god it was scary <laughs> yeah and you know obstacle difficulty one person's too hard is gonna be one person's too easy mm-hmm. versus it's gonna be someone's just right right it I, I always say the you know when you ask someone about the obstacle difficulty people's real answer is like, well, I want it to be just hard enough where I get through, but people who are worse than me can't get through. <laughs> that's a you know, like, good that's answer. what people's, that's a when good it, answer. You nailed it. What, that's what it ultimately comes down to. Like when you start, you know, essentially bracketing in and narrowing in what their answer is, that's what they're saying. I, I want to be able to get across um, because it makes me feel good, but I don't, <laughs> I want everyone worse than me not to get across. So, yeah. you know, I, I move up. So, um, but yeah, I thought they did. A gr- I thought they did a great job. And you know, looking back at some of the obstacles, one of the things I like is nothing was super technical, or at least in my mind, it was wasn't super technical. But things were short enough where if you stopped and rested, um, if you had the muscular strength, you could recover and actually get across uh, on multiple tries. Versus like, you know, if you put it out all your effort on the first try, and then you know it's just too technical for you to get across. Like you physically lack the grip strength to hold on to something. Um, I thought a lot of the, you know, a lot of the holds were rings or bars or maybe fat monkey bars. So it, um, you know, if, if if you'd been training appropriately and prepared properly, I think you could get across even if you had, even if you messed up and had trouble and, you know, took a minute or two to recompose yourself and then try again. Yeah, I thought that was good on Urban Sky that they had it broken into three part sections. Like, I like that you had to redo the whole obstacle if you failed, but at the same point, you could get down and or rest between segments. You don't see that kind of obstacle at any other race as far as, you know, broken up, but all as one at the same time. So I thought that was a great idea. And, And, you know, I support the way they set that up, especially having it be like the last major obstacle. Yeah, it's nice. It adds it adds difficulty without making it, you know, I'd say like overly difficult. Where if you had to go across that all at once, like personally, I would find that cool, but I think a lot of the field would not enjoy that. Right, so. right, especially with it being last and after other upper body, you know, exhaustive obstacles. Well, yeah, they had what three or four rigs right before that, so that would have been very challenging without the the breaks in between. Right. So at least so, you can tell they're thinking when they're planning planning for those kind of things. 
Yep, absolutely. Rachel, so what advice do you have for people that lost their band on one of the obstacles at Noram as a high-level athlete, you know, um, with you, you and your experience? Just keep coming back. You know, don't give up hope that, you know, you can't do it. You know, I, um, I can't tell you how many bands I lost in Battle Frog. Um, and it's, it's disheartening. It's very hard to come back from something like that. I get it. Um, but you know, you gotta, you have to train, you have to find ways to train for that. You know, whether that's, you know, finding a park, you know, go to the playground and go across the monkey bars, you know, work on your pull-ups, work, work on just your straight dead hang grip strength and, um, you know, be, be a little bit more obstacle specific when you're training and, and come back and do it again. And also, I think the biggest part, even more so, is the the mental part of it. You know, I know, I know for me, like I know I'm strong enough to get through those things. I know that I can do it. But when I have failed, that's what's in my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, I failed this last time. Am I going to fail it again? And it it just it gets in your head. So when you have that, when you have that negativity in there, it weakens you. And, and you do fail again and again and again until you really believe that you can do it. So I think mentally training for it is just as important as physically training for it. You know, and that's, I've been doing a lot of that myself, you know, being able to, to visualize what I want in the race, you know, visualize myself going through it successfully, hitting that bell at the end and celebrating that. And, um, and that feeling then sticks with you when you go through the obstacle. And when you finally have that success, you know, hold on to that feeling and remember that every single time you go through the obstacles and you'll get it. Good advice. Ashley, what do you got? So I, I think she made a lot of valid points, especially about like not letting it get to you because I think, you know, at an, as an athlete at any level, you start to develop almost like an anxiety of certain obstacles, um, I found that for me, for example, like going to conquer the gauntlet, I had lost my belt at the last one I did in 2017. So I had kind of a a, a scared feeling, you know, that that was going to happen again. And I really let it take over and bother me for weeks before my next event. And I went to a ninja gym and I practiced the things that had really bothered me from, from my previous race. And just built up that confidence to, hey, look, you can do this. And what do you know? The next race back, I was able to do it. I got both the obstacles I was scared of on my first try. And then after that, like Rachel said, you maintain that feeling and take it with you to future races. Um, as far as really, really training to obstacles, y you can do your best to try to replicate you know, the same motions or the same, you know, obstacle holds and things that you faced. Uh, a lot of it is actually taking advantage of the day and time that you fail. So if you were at NORAM and you did fail a rig, I would suggest watching the other athletes who are completing it successfully and almost taking notes or taking, not even notes, like mental notes of what they're doing differently and why they're making it. Or if you have a friend who's willing to take the time and show you, like, some pointers or some tips, even if you already lost your band that day and it's too late, if they can go back up there with you and kind of give you some of the pointers or support to help, you know, you realize you are capable, that's a huge tool that you can use moving forward. Both very good answers there. I know, Rachel, one of the things you said about you know losing your bands, I can't even count the number of times you've lost your bands before. One of my favorite quotes is, you know, the appearance of success, I'm going to mess it up now, I, damn it. <laughs> the appearance of success is, um, it's, it's persistence, right? Like it looks like to success, to success to someone on the outside because they're just seeing the finished product, but you failed right. so many times up until that point that that's why you're being successful now is because there's this mountain of failure behind you uh, to get you to the level you're currently at. Exactly. So, and then for another great thing you said was training for specificity, right? So, ideally, if you can get to the same obstacle at a gym or, you know, like Conquer Fitness or one of these OCR gyms, I was just at Otherworld OCR, which has the 
It has the actual Battlefrog Platinum rig. It's in Frederick, Maryland. Mm, if anyone's cool. looking for that. So that was pretty cool to play on that again uh, last night. But, you know, if you don't have that, I would say look at how your hand is grabbing the whatever object it is, right? So example would be Legaf. Well, people don't have Legaf anywhere. Like, I've never seen it in a gym. But some <laughs> gyms some gyms do have rigs with, like, the ver- it's basically a vertical metal pole. So, I mean, that's pretty similar because you're, you know, you're wrapping your body around this metal pole. And the other thing is training with nunchuck grips, right? Your hand is in a nunchuck grip style when it's holding on to a gaff. So the stronger you can get using that grip, you know, even if it's wet, you're just going to need to put out more force through your hand. So, um, you know, I like to do lat pull downs with a nunch- like an atomic nunchuck grip instead of like the bar. Okay. I still like to train with weights a lot. So. That's a good idea. And then the last thing you said, uh, another huge one was mental training. You know, if anyone wants a really good book on mental training, there's uh, one by Matt Fitzgerald called How Bad Do You Want It? Yes. I highly recommend it. Have you read it? Yes. So good. I, I have it on audiobook. I've listened to it, I think, three times because that's how good it is. And also uh, How Champions Think. I don't know the author of that one, but it's another great one. All right, guys, write these down because uh, <laughs> I've never read either one. So I'm interested. Yeah. I would definitely hit up How Bad Do You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. Um, and then the other thing, so Ashley, you said watching other people go through an obstacle, you know, science backs that up, right? So when you watch someone do a movement, it fires mirror neurons in your brain. So your mind almost thinks that you're doing the same movement. So actually watching someone cross the rig multiple times, assuming they're doing it properly and smoothly and they, you know, you know they're being successful, it's going to build that beaten pathway neurologically. So when you get on the obstacle, you'll actually be better at it. So one of the guys in... I trained with at KCOCR, Steve Richardson, was having some trouble with laches. So one of the tips I gave to him, in addition to you know practice, starting off by going from two bars where you can actually reach between the two bars, but still practice letting go of both hands. Um, besides that tip, and then some form tips, I told him to actually watch people lache, like on YouTube, successful people, before he goes into the gym, and it'll be easier. And um, essentially that's what he did, and it was working. So he texted me. That's he texted me so the day true after. because that's how I learned to climb a rope. Um, I did not know how to climb a rope. I didn't know how to wrap. I didn't know how to J-hook. I didn't know how to, you know, successfully climb a rope. I was trying to muscle it all arms, and, and you all know how, how terrible that turns out in the middle of a race. But um, I learned by watching YouTube videos, and I still use the exact same technique I've learned from YouTube. <laughs> I used to watch people doing deadlifts before I'd go to the gym for deadlift day, and I would like end up PRing deadlifts like on a, on a <laughs> weekly basis. It was pretty awesome. It was back when I was lifting heavy. Okay, see, it works. Yeah. <laughs> see, yeah, like, if you watch a guy like deadlift like 700 pounds, you're like, well, like, surely I can do 350, <laughs> you know? <laughs> of course, he weighs you know three times my weight and is like eight feet tall, but that's okay. <laughs> All right, Rachel, so let's, let's go through a week a week in your life. Take us through a week of your training and kind of how it's laid out and structured. Yeah, sure. Um, so we do something called um, Mountain Mondays. I mentioned a little earlier. We'll, we'll do um, – it's kind of like our – it's how we would simulate hill running. You know, So we'll either find a hill somewhere. You know, We have um, a trail out here in Louisiana. We, we're about as flat as you guys are in Florida. Um, but there's a mountain biking trail here that's got some – some nice hills and we'll do, you know, we'll do carries, you know, with a sandbag or with weights. Uh, we'll go to one of the high schools and run the stadium, you know, run up and down the stairs. Um, Tuesdays are kind of like a, a cross training day for me. It's my day to work out at home. So I'll do, you know, I'll do my workout on the bike. Um, we'll do speed work. We do our, our Wednesday morning track workouts where we do, do speed work. Um, and Ken usually has really great ideas for um, what's going to work best. You know, like if we have a race coming up, you know, that weekend or the following weekend, he'll he'll build our workouts around that. Um, you know, my Thursdays are at home again, um, and most of the time I can get to most of the days I do get to a gym. So I'll take Nico with me and um, drop him off a childcare, and I'll do some strength training um, because all the all the races we do have some kind of strength element to it so I make sure that I keep my weight training going 
And then on the weekends, we um, one of those days will be a nice long run, you know, 12 miles or more. And um, that that's pretty much it. Cool. Sounds like a good plan. And I actually passed over this question, which is kind of the reason we're all here. How did you do at the NORAM Pro Female Relay? Oh, our team kicked ass. <laughs> I'm still on a high from that race. I am just, I'm so proud of our team. You know, Ashley and Julie were incredible. Um, so I, I, uh, I think I did pretty good on the speed portion. I gave us a really good head start. Um, I think by the time I got down and handed my band off to Julie, um, we had like a five minute lead over the second place team. So like the whole time I was trudging up that mountain, I was like, I've got to give them the the best chance possible. I have to give us a good start, you know, because it, it could start pouring down rain at any moment. And Ashley is going to need some, you know, confidence that she's going to have plenty of time to get through these obstacles without stressing over the weather. And I just, the whole time I'm thinking about this, like I've, I've got to get us a good lead. So I just, it, it, that's what pushed me up the mountain and, um, you know, got through the few obstacles that we had and ran as fast as I possibly could. I thought my legs were going to fall off coming down the hills. And, um, and it wasn't raining too bad. Luckily it was like drizzling a little bit. So, um, but it was just because it had rained all the day before and all that morning, it was nice and sloshy for us. So climbing was very slippery. I was a little worried about that coming down. Like if it was going to be really slippery coming down, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, and uh, they did make some modifications on one of the, the obstacles they threw in there with a, the quarter pipe. So they put a rope on it to make it doable so we wouldn't all slip down the, the slope. Um, but, yeah, so passed it off to Julie, and I got to watch her um, do the the 50-pound sandpad carry so far up the mountain that I couldn't even see her anymore. I think they doubled, yeah. We like went into the clouds. Yeah, yes. they doubled the course from the 15k. I just I couldn't believe it, and the fact that she did it, she did it so well, was incredible. And then right off onto the farmers carry after that. I mean, I think I would have been on the ground um, if I was the one doing the strength portion. I'm glad we had Julie. <laughs> She's yeah, really strong. When she, when she came to me to join the team, I was like. Uh, as long as you don't think I'm the strength person, because that's <laughs> definitely not my forte. But yeah. Julie just crushed it. I just remember just watching her run down to come to Lagoff, and she was just, like, hauling. And then to watch her go through that obstacle, you could see every muscle in her entire body was yep. completely dedicated to making it happen. Yeah. So We're cool. talking about Julie Hart Hartjes. Hartes. Hartes. Yes. Hartes. Yeah. And Who's been on the podcast after she got third at US OCRC. Yes, and she's a master's now, so that just adds to her awesomeness. Um, <laughs> and she's a mom as well. That's why our team was the mom squad. Yeah. And like Brett said at the award ceremony, all the women on the stage are moms, except yes. that's actually not true. Because Lisa Nondorf oh, okay, is not a mom. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? The podium but was either moms or masters athletes, and I think that's pretty freaking awesome. Heck yeah. I agree. So, Unless you count Jay Flores as uh, Lisa's baby. There you so, go. Which some people do. <laughs> so we got lucky because when Julie came down to me for the handoff, I swear the second she handed me that chip timer, the rain stopped. Like, there was no rain at that moment, or at least I just blocked it out. <laughs> um, I was very cautious on obstacles because I knew I'd rather get them on a first attempt rather than, you know, have to re repeat and, and lose any potential grip strength or time. Um, so even on an obstacle like Stairway, which I'm very confident at from doing at CTG, and that was honestly the obstacle I was looking forward to the most. I'm not going to lie. I kind of chicken-winged it to really make sure I was staying on that obstacle and, and not having to repeat, especially in the rain. When my, the first grip I took seemed kind of slick, so I was like, I'm not going to, you know, risk this for my team. Um, but like I said, they added tape to some of the other obstacles, and the rain seemed to subside a little bit, and... And it was just like kind of all the pieces fell into place. Um, 
I did have to repeat Urban Sky after falling on literally the last hold before the bell. I did the same thing during the 15K, <laughs> and I was I let out like a my my my, you know, my three year old daughter's watching, and I let out this huge profanity, and then I apologized <laughs> for the volunteer for for yelling. <laughs> It was just like I, I thought I could reach the bell without grabbing that last hold because someone had told me that. So like I went for it and I but I didn't commit, you know, like it was like I don't know. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> yeah, so it was and so, you know, I kind of took a second basically more so to to, you know, reset my mind, kind of like we talked about um you know, getting in the the right mental frame before I started over. And I made it through the first two segments, and then a friend who was watching said, hey, you know you're at the lane where the bell is the farthest from the final hold, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, you tell me that right before I do the last piece of the last um, the last attempt. Um, but luckily I got it that second time through, and I was – that was probably the happiest moment of the weekend for me was finishing urban sky on the team race because at that point I knew there was nothing going to stop us. Cause we were in the downhill sprint. I knew my team was there waiting. And like Rachel said, like when you know other people are depending on you, that really gives you the extra motivation to really give it everything that you have. Yeah, Absolutely. We had, uh, for my team, we did the All Conquer the Gauntlet Pro team. So we had Matt Willis run the speed leg. And the plan was for Matt to get us in, like, you know, top seven or maybe top five if we were lucky place. And then my plan, I did the strength leg. My plan was to not lose position <laughs> and just kind of hold it. And then our secret weapon was Amy Magic Pagic, who was, because it was raining, she was going to do all the obstacles with no problem and win it for us and basically sneak us onto third place onto the podium um but as it happened matt willis came down the hill in fourth i believe uh i moved us up to third after the wreck bag and then Lagaff, my new favorite obstacle because everyone was stuck there <laughs> moved us into second and then we finished uh you know amy Padgett had no problems as planned and uh finished uh, second overall which was i'm like like you said i'm still definitely riding that high because you know, as an ultra distance athlete, I never thought I'd be on a pro overall podium of, um, of a like a OCR world cha- or OCR North American championship type event. So yeah, that was that was a really fun race, even to watch. Like I think everybody I talked to either had the most fun running that event and or the most fun spectating that event. And when the Masters women came through for second place, my heart just stopped as I watched them attack that last wall because there was another team which I didn't know had already lost their bands that were competing at exactly the same location and the Masters women had actually come from behind Um, but they were all on that last wall and my heart just stopped just watching and waiting and I mean you you don't get those feelings you know too often watching other people compete but that was just a really cool overwhelming you know excitement yeah absolutely the i know you know when i do well at a race it's there's one level of excitement but then when i do well and then my you know friends and or teammates do well it's like a whole nother level it just makes everything so much better yeah so it was pretty cool knowing basically everyone on the podium um uh for the, the different divisions which is really cool so yeah, definitely. So I'm looking forward to the team event in Tulsa. Um, I I wish Rachel and and Ken were going. You're not. We're thinking right? about it. We're we're thinking about it. Well, you gotta tell you me sh- this stuff ahead of time. <laughs> I, the way our schedule goes, we we decide the day before. Usually, that's how it works. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's a team event in Tulsa too, so that would have been good to know because we could have could have partnered up up for that but i guess i guess you guys are the surprise (laughs) (laughs) all right rachel so what future plans do you have for the rest of 2018 um the goal is to get to all the rest of the savages so we've got maryland georgia dallas and florida um that's sure to make some other elite women happy okay (laughs) great 
I'm not uh, listening. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was a debate. I'm, I'm still kind of in the, up in the air. There's a Spartan Stadium race the same day as Florida Savage, um, and it's the final um, in the series, the championship series for the stadium. So, oh, and you I have to go. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Brenna wants you to go too. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I have a hard time choosing Spartan over Savage. You know, they're just it's um, I love Savage. You know, and so I don't know. We're the goal is to to do all the rest of the Savages, possibly throw in a couple CTGs, and um, we have a bunch of local races um, here in Shreveport, Louisiana, that we plan on doing. Gotcha. You heading out to World Championships in London? You know, I I would love to. Um, it is a really long flight to take with a baby, and he's uh, he comes with me wherever I go. So it's um, I just don't know that we're ready to make that kind of a trip yet. Gotcha. So we traveled with my daughter. I, my daughter. I'll say this. The chill, at least I think, the children can basically get used to whatever you accustom them to. So my daughter is great in the car now because I've been traveling with her since she was born. Mm-hmm. And when we first took her on a flight, we took her on a flight to Australia last year. So she oh was my gosh. <laughs> two, and it's like a 16-hour flight. And I think it went fine. My my wife is a little less excited because she clings to my wife more than she clings to me. Right. It's always um, a little bit harder on mom. <laughs> Yeah, but I will I will say, you know, that set the bar so high that all of the other flights since then have, you know, been yeah. cake. Well, so. Nico is quite the the traveler. He's got 14, 14 states under his belt already in his 19 months. And uh he's he's a really awesome traveler, but I know our our limit right now is about like 3 to 4 hours is where I start to lose my sanity. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then maybe it's maybe it's your sanity and yeah. uh, you that more than him. That's the issue, you know. Yeah, well, but like, you know, uh, like traveling with him now might be the time to do it because he flies for free because he sits in my lap. So this Amen. may be the that's time true. to do it. <laughs> All right, any plans to do Spartan World Championship? Um, no official plans, but it's always a possibility. Okay. All right. Um, and then other, let's say last Spartan question. Do you not purposely not do too many Spartans, or are you just busy with Savage the whole time? What's your what's your Spartan take here? Uh, not not a big fan of Spartans. Um, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody, but <laughs> they don't um, give Rachel her call outs when they're due. They try to push her <laughs> to the second wave. Like you know, you yeah, do not know think... who this girl is. Let right. her have a starting spot in the corral. <laughs> Yeah, I think they they pander to their own athletes, um, and they don't, uh, you know, they they don't respect the other athletes that are out there. Um, like when I was I was watching the live video of their stadium race that I was in, and Ken was also in, and and they only talked about their Spartan athletes, the ones that they assumed were going to be on the podiums, and like they would be videoing somebody, be like, "Oh, well, I don't know who that athlete is." It's like, all right, just take the time to write down their bib numbers, know who they are, and give them the proper respect. You know, if you're going to do a live photo or a live feed of, you know, a race, at least do that. Um, so, as a as a company, I'm I'm not uh, the biggest Spartan fan, um, and. Uh, and I suck at the spear throw, <laughs> and I hate burpees. So I, I, I prefer Savage over Spartan. Gotcha. I'm totally tracking. And someone basically asked me the same question last night when I was out at dinner, and you know, I'm of a similar opinion. You know, I like, I, I'm not a huge fan of Spartan, but at the same time, like I understand everything they've done for the industry as a whole. You know, and I think without Spartan a lot of these smaller companies just simply wouldn't exist. You're right. right. They, You're right. They broke down the initial walls for a lot of things. TV coverage and, um, you know, let's say more quality live streaming and having a pro team and, you know, larger cash prizes and things like that. And I think having them in the industry, you know, competing against Tough Mudders helps force change and force adaptation. So, like, me personally, I don't like giving them my money, but at the same <laughs> yeah, time, again, I'm... They're probably one of the most yeah. expensive races out there, too, and I don't understand that. Yeah, so, um... Yep, Spartan. There it is. 
It's funny you said that about the spear, Rachel, because I just call that the burpee obstacle. Because <laughs> um, I've never once stuck a spear, and it's just something I refuse to train for. Um, yeah. So I just know, like, and like here, it's time to do your thirty burpees. <laughs> yeah, I think I, know, I, I think, think I've hit it once. Of all the Spartan races I've done, I think I've gotten it one time. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all probably on the same page, but you know, I just don't think you should be able to, you know, do ninety burpees and still win a race. Hey, um, hey. Which which I didn't win. Which, I got second, but I've done ninety yeah. burpees every time I've taken a podium spot at a start. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> which is only so, twice. I don't know, what are you but... having problems on? What were you having problems on besides the spear throw? Um, the day I ran it was like super icy. So everything was icy. Nobody got the traverse wall which is normally you know super easy um yeah i think i also failed the rope climb which was like frozen stiff it was more like a fireman's pole um so <laughs> coated obviously with ice. <laughs> these weren't in florida yeah exactly so um those are the ones i can recall and then of course uh the the burpee obstacle yeah i gotcha yeah so i'll caveat my my previous statement with you know i think at the those are you know, with people doing a lot of burpees and still winning, I think that's at the smaller races. You know, at the series races, those guys aren't really failing anything, or you know, might fail one thing or something like that. So, right. Um, I'll caveat that statement. <laughs> All right, we're gonna let you go, but before we go, uh, we're gonna have two more questions uh, since we have three people on the podcast. Let's start off with Rachel. Tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. Oh boy. Um... That, or if you're uh, at a loss for words, <laughs> Ashley can jump in. Um, I think yeah, I, I love um, anything that has to do with adrenaline. Maybe it's not much of a surprise, but like I love skydiving. I love cliff jumping, and I wish I could do them more often. Like I love that kind of stuff that's just thrilling and exciting and death-defying. So. so if you want to go skydiving, hit me up. I'll go with you. <laughs> nice. All right, Ashley, you're up. Um, I'm going to take a totally different route on this and say I love chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> that is, like, my weakness. Um, so I'm I'm really not a sweet tooth person, but, I mean, if somebody offered me a chocolate chip cookie, there would be no way to say no. So I know people have these images of, like, pro athletes, like, oh, they just eat salads and protein shakes and – whatever but i'm just saying i personally am never going to turn down a chocolate chip cookie i guess i shouldn't mention how many chocolate chip cookies and oreos i had yesterday huh oh man <laughs> i'm just jealous now <laughs> all right since we're sharing things that we love i i'm going to change my answer on the spot and go with a guilty pleasure of mine my, one of my favorite movies is the Pitch Perfect trilogy. I just think it is phenomenal. <laughs> if you've never seen Pitch Perfect, i don't know what you're doing with your life. Great movie. The first one's hysterical and has good music, and the third one is also hysterical and has good music. The second one's good too, but first and third, I like a little bit better than the second one. All right, so. I'm writing this down too. So now I got books to read and movies to watch. Have you not seen Pitch Perfect? No. <laughs> oh my goodness! Why are you on the podcast? I'm banned for life. Rachel, have you seen it? No. <laughs> oh my goodness! Are you too serious? I'm so serious. Oh. This is terrible. This is terrible news. <laughs> All right. You got. You guys both have homework to do. Report back to me. Let me know how it goes. Sounds good. <laughs> I think that about uh, sums it up. Before we go, Rachel, any shout-outs you want to give to family, friends, sponsors, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. Um, shout-out to all my, my family um, for cheering me on during all these races. And, of course, my biggest supporter, Ken Corigliano, my husband, and um, – my future champion, my little Nico. Awesome. Great family there and great, uh, great stuff. Ashley, what do you got? Oh, man. I feel like the pressure is really on. So uh, my first shout-out is going to be to the Conquer the Gauntlet Pro Team um, and all of our affiliate sponsors through them. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm also a member of uh, the Mudgear Pro Team, and they treat their athletes very well. And we're a big part of NORAM and had their tent set up, and it was awesome to spend time with them there. Uh, shout out to my family and my OCR family. Um, this will be 
uh, the first Worlds event this year over in London where my parents won't be there to support me. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I know they will be with me in heart. And I will have my family, a.k.a. Dustin and Smith, um, there with me and, of course, the extended OCR family. So um, I appreciate everyone's positive vibes and, and things like that after a difficult weekend at the NORAM Championships. Um, so, yeah, shout out to my peeps. Cool. I got some good articles coming out on Mud Run Guide and also on Softleet. So Mud Run Guide, I did an article about my uh, 48-hour charity run that I'll be doing in a week as of this recording out at Conquer the Gauntlet Tulsa. So I did one on like physical preparations I've been doing and then mental preparations, which is kind of a topic we've covered. So by the time this releases, they should be out or they should be out any day now. Also through Softleet, um, it's a website that does apparel, nutrition stuff, and then also training plans. I wrote a, couple, a series of articles about quitting that I think are really good. So the first one published already, you can find that on my Facebook page or on the Strength and Speed website. I'm going to share it through that. And then the other three should be coming out here shortly in the next uh, month or so. So head over to Softleet, that's S-O-F-L-E-T-E, and give them a like so you don't miss that stuff. I was also on the Softleet podcast, so if you haven't listened to that, you can head over and enjoy that. I think that about wraps it up. Rachel and Ashley, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks again for having me. I think Ashley, you'll be hearing from Ashley again on one of the other episodes if I ever contact the rest of the the third guest and schedule it appropriately. (laughs) But um, Rachel, anytime you have big news, give us a shout out and we will uh, bring you back on. All right, definitely will. Thank you. All right, it's been great talking to you too. You too. Thanks, Evan.